1: welcome to the podcast today today we have scott switzer with prime estate planning um, and scott has been uh doing the estate planning for many years now and we welcome you to our podcast thank you how are you doing today i'm Happy doing well so what made you pursue a career uh, and get into doing estate planning
0: well i got my law degree and right after law school i actually started working for a real estate settlement company um, and for those of you out there who don't know what that is, that's the the company that holds uh, money in when people buy and sell houses, when they refinance, and uh, we guarantee guarantee uh, title insurance, so property rights as well. And about five years into that practice, um, my grandparents passed away, actually, in kind of rapid succession. And my grandparents on my mom's side had done, I found out, a really great job with their estate planning. Um, you know, they had brought my mom and her brother into their... Um, attorney's office uh you know in the the years leading up to their death and they weren't that sick but they were in their 80s so they knew it was coming and uh, they had really gotten organized Um, they had created what's called a revocable living trust Um, and so when they did pass away um, everything that happened the administration of the estate happened confidentially actually took about two months Um, all assets were transferred and it was just a really easy seamless process that really brought that side of the family together you know which was just great um, unfortunately, the other side of the family, those grandparents, I guess they had a little bit less when it came to assets. Um, but in any case, their perspective was that uh, since we don't have that much, it's really up to the family to figure out what happens after we pass away. So they did pass away and they, they certainly didn't have a trust. Uh, they didn't have a will. And uh, they hadn't indicated to anybody really who gets what. And so what happened was the family started fighting. They started fighting about little things, about who gets grandpa's wood saw, and stuff like that. And when they, you know, when they finally, there's a two and a half a year probate, which is, a, which is a court proceeding that um, takes place when someone passes away, if you don't have a trust in place. Uh, it took about two and a half years in this case because of all the, the conflict and lack of preparation. And it, the legal fees are about $150,000 uh, incurred by all sides. And that was about the value of the estate. So really nobody ended up getting any assets or any money. And sadly, uh, people from that side of the family still aren't talking to each other. So I just really saw what the difference was between doing a good job and doing a bad job. And that family had been close before. So that that inspired me to really get involved in, in the, uh, the trust and estate work. Um, you know. And I'll tell you a little bit more about it later on. But I also had people that were coming in uh, to my office looking for estate planning for, as part of a real estate transaction and i was referring them out to estate planners and i uh, let's just say it's some of the results were not what you'd want so i can go into that a little bit later <laughs> it's amazing that
1: you you know that you bring this up because i'm i'm always preaching about needing to do planning because obviously if you plan then things are are able to be executed you know better so forth and so on you know you just prime example right there you talked about the, the people who planned and put together a trust and things like that their stuff got done over, you know, the estate and everything got settled pretty quick where the ones who didn't much more, uh, you know, more time and, and effort did, that really went into to getting everything done. Um, so that's, that's, you know, really interesting, um, you know, in going through this. What, um, in your time of doing the estate planning and stuff like that, I mean, what, tell me what, what defines success for you?
0: Well for me, success is, and it's kind of a tagline that I use myself it's keeping people pe- keep, 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 pardon me, keeping people's families out of court and out of conflict when something happens to them. So really, when you do estate planning, it's not primarily for you, it's for the people that matter most in your life. Um, of course, we do do powers of attorney, both for um, you know medical decisions and for financial decisions, but primarily it's about deciding what happens to your assets and what happens to your spiritual legacy really when you pass on. So success really is making sure that there is uh, not conflict between your family members, between your other beneficiaries. Uh, it's making sure that um, if at all possible, you avoid a probate court proceeding. Uh, you know, Probate court is something that happens and some people are confused by this. That happens even if you do die with a will. Uh, a judge then comes in and reads the, through the will and starts to make decisions about who gets what. So uh, a revocable living trust is, is really a will substitute. Uh, it's an agreement and it allows you to bypass the whole probate process. But what I see sometimes with some estate planning attorneys is they create a trust and they leave it to the clients to what's called fund the trust, uh, which means transfer the assets into the trust or in the case of like retirement accounts, for example, change the beneficiary names to designations to include the trust. So really, success is not just um, having documents and signing the documents. It's following through with the clients to make sure that everything they have is owned properly and that uh, as their family situation changes, as their asset situation changes, as the laws change over time, it's important to stay in touch with those people and make sure that the plan is going to work when their family needs it. So
1: what do you wish you knew, knew when you first started out that you know now?
0: Let's see here. Well, I think it is um, just the need to really be um, proactive with clients and making sure that they're following up to make the next steps. So may perhaps somebody schedule their initial consultation with me, making sure that they are really on top of getting the documents uh, ready for the signing meeting, uh, making sure that we, we have a three meeting process. So our third meeting is where we go through the funding of their trust. And we have actually an interview process where they get to pass along their spiritual legacy. But I think... Uh, coming from the title business, uh, from the real estate side of my practice, I was used to a situation where other people are constantly reminding us and keeping us on their schedule. And I realized with the state planning people have a tendency to procrastinate. So it's all it's, it's it's on us. It's incumbent on us to set the schedule and to hold people accountable and to make sure that they are me- meeting their meeting their deadlines. Because you know it's a it's a topic that for a lot of people um, they're uncomfortable with. Uh, it might bring out conflict in a relationship. And so it's all about getting them comfortable with it and then making sure there's the follow through.
1: What are some of the questions that your clients aren't asking you that you really wish that they would be?
0: Well, you know, I think a lot of my clients, here's an example. I have a lot of clients who are real estate investors and that's my background in um, in the real estate field. I think a lot of them don't realize that in the context of a real estate investor, we have several pieces of real estate in different jurisdictions, the District of Columbia, Maryland, Virginia, California, and so forth, what they don't realize is that if they do no planning at all, or if they do only will-based planning, if they don't properly fund their trust, um, their probate uh, situation, their case is gonna be even more complicated and costly uh, for their family. I would say typically, on average, the cost of going through probate is usually around 5% of the value of your probate estate. And that includes, just real quick, cash, taxable investments, and the market value of your properties. Um, I wish that real estate investors would, would ask that question, um, because they would then realize that, a they've, got a, they've got a very valuable probate estate, and B, because the properties are located often in different jurisdictions, when they die, if there's no trust in place or a trust that's not funded correctly, um, there have to be separate foreign probates that are opened up in all those jurisdictions. So that means different court proceedings, probably different attorneys hired by the family, by the trustee of the trust. So it can be a very lengthy, time-consuming process. And real estate investors are used to generally looking for bargains. So a lot of times when real estate investors come to estate planning, they're very cost, not all of them, but they can be very cost um, sensitive. So they don't wanna pay for an expensive estate planning process, uh, but they really need to understand. And that's one of the things I help to educate them about is that the cost to their family in their context, particularly, of not doing the right kind of planning is greatly outweighs whatever it would cost for them to do the planning from the onset.
1: It sounds like, obviously, your, your clients or potential clients have, you know, many different fears when it comes to, you know, estate planning and things like that. Give us an example of, you know, one of those fears and kind of what you've done to help them, uh, help alleviate them with of that fear.
0: Sure. You know, what I get a lot is I get um, sometimes LGBTQ plus couples or um, couples with blended families or just a situation maybe where you have a husband and wife um, of a very different age. You know, let's just take an example. one's in his 50s. Uh, he marries a woman in her 30s. Uh, and this is just, a, you know, an example of a client. So a client that I had recently, he has a lot more assets. He's had time to accumulate them. And, you know, they, he wouldn't particularly wants to prepare for, you know, for his family and so forth and he wants to make sure she's taken care of but they're in conflict because they don't know how to accomplish both the goal of taking care of her assuming that he would pass away first but also him making sure that his side of the family gets assets that he's saved for his entire life so be- because they haven't been able to you know really come up with a plan for that there's been a lot of back and forth and it's an issue that creates a lot of tension and uh, one of the one of the most Rewarding things for me is being able to bring them in, kind of get a sense of that tension, and then walk them through a creative plan, something that would allow them to actually accomplish both of those goals. And for me, just being able to see that tension kind of in the relief on their faces, and tension kind of fade away, um, and then that that puts that, that allows them to get beyond that conflict, uh, knowing that all their objectives have been um, have been met. For me, that's very rewarding. Right.
1: Right. What, so what are some of the common mistakes that you see uh, people make when it comes to, you know, estate planning and not understanding, uh, you know, powers of attorneys and how there are different types
0: of power of attorneys and, and so forth? Well, there's a, there's a lot of things. I don't want to get too technical. But, I mean, I think, I think there's first the understanding the different documents and explaining, you know, to your question, uh, there's two, two basic types of powers of attorney. One is called a durable or a financial power of attorney, and that is for when you're incapacitated, who you want to be taking care of your financial affairs during that, during that period of time. The other is called a healthcare or a medical power of attorney, and that is somebody who will be making medical choices for you if you're incapacitated. And I think it's important for people to realize that the the, per, the right person for that role is not always the same. There may be somebody who has the same values as you do when it comes to end of life or medical decisions. Uh, but they necessarily wouldn't necessarily be financially organized. So they wouldn't be the right people to actually do tax returns and, and you know and, and make financial decisions. And, and vice versa. So that's straight to the power of attorney. It's really understanding from your fiduciaries who had who who's wearing the right hat. You know what I mean? Who who in your amongst your friends and families are the right people to do that. Um, I think another one is, and this is this is pretty unique to me too, not a lot of attorneys focus on Let's say you have minor children and you're choosing guardians for your children so that if something happened to you you want someone to take care of your kids Um, most attorneys will have you choose a long-term guardian that's somebody who over the course of the kid until the kid's 18 years old will be taking care of your child and of course this is a super important role but what i find to be very important as well is choosing what's a short-term guardian so let's say something happens to you and your husband and you're in an accident and um, your long-term guardian, perhaps, is your sister who lives on the West Coast. You're here in D.C. So the police find, you know, you're home with your babysitter. Eventually, the babysitter has to call the police because they can't locate you. And the police come, and uh, maybe they contact your sister or not. But during the period in between when an accident happens and something happens to you, until when your long-term guardians can be located and brought all the way in, children are often to take into protective, taken into protective custody. And that can be a very traumatizing event for kids. So I think it's equally important to have short-term guardians who are just friends of the family who live in the neighborhood, who your kids would feel safe with, uh, to stay with for a few days until your long-term guardians are taken in. So those those are a couple of examples.
1: And I, I think that, you know, it's it interesting that you bring that up because I, you know, in, in talking with the state attorneys and individuals and stuff like that, I've never had Anybody ever bring up, you know, looking at it from a long term versus short term, um, you know, guardianship for your kids. So, I mean, that's 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 a really great point. Um, and I'm gonna say that's one of the reasons why you use a professional like you, um, because you guys have done this a lot and and, and um, can can help people through all of this. Um, what's another reason uh, why somebody should use a professional like you to to help them? Uh, with the estate
0: planning? I mean, I think, really, if you want to have a a plan that's going to keep your family out of court, a do-it-yourself solution just really isn't going to do that. Um, I would say do-it-yourself planning, which would mean going online and finding a will, a power of attorney, and so forth, would be appropriate for people who are, who are being responsible, who don't have minor children, who don't have much in the way of assets that would go through probate. But, you know, are in their 20s, maybe 30s, and are just are trying to do something better than nothing. And I think that's, that's, that's the appropriate time. But really anybody who has assets that would go through probate, I think it's very difficult to um, take a do-it-yourself approach, um, you know, find a, you know, create a revocable living trust, and then uh, fund that trust without the guidance of professional. Um, it gets even more complicated when you look at what do you want to happen upon both the death of you or the death of you and your spouse, if you want your children or other beneficiaries to have a trustee or have someone else that would come in and manage that money for them until they reach a certain age beyond the age of 18, a do-it-yourself approach just isn't going to work for that. Um, I had a client that came in this weekend, actually, and they have a child with special needs. So part of the solution for them was to create a special needs trust to make sure that um, their child would not miss out on federal and state benefits and so forth that are designed for him because he inherits um, the, the parent's estate. Again, that's nothing that you can accomplish yourself by going online. So really, you know, when, when people learn about what, um, what is involved and how they really stand to benefit, it's, it's to the benefit of just about everyone, I would say. So, you know, in dealing with such a, a variety
1: of issues that you deal with a variety of people and things like that, you know, what's something that's that's important to you that you've learned over the years
0: of doing this? I think it's important, uh, A, to to be open and be able to connect with clients and really get in rapport with them and sort of meet them where they are. Um, Because a lot of times as professionals, we've done a lot of plans. We've done our, our thing quite a few times. And so we've seen all the details. We've seen all the pieces come together. But our clients or our prospects, um, they're in a different mindset. You know, they're going through this likely for the first time. And I think it's important for us to be able to re- to recognize that and, and get a sense for where they are along that process and really just to be able to support them at that, that moment, even if that means they're not ready to uh, commit to doing an estate plan just yet. If it's that they need more education or if they just need me to refer them to other people in my network of professionals, be it financial planners or CPAs or coaches, life coaches, right. business coaches. It's being able to recognize that and then also stay in contact with them. You know, don't just kind of you know, see that as an opportunity that's come and gone, but stay in contact with them because at some point they're going to come back and they are going to be ready to, to work with you. So how
1: often you know, your, your people that you have put together, help them put together plans and stuff like that, after you put together a plan how often do you meet with them after that
0: so we just come to back it up my initial process is a three meeting process uh we have the first the consultation which i call a family wealth planning session and then we have the signing meeting and that's after the documents have been drafted and we sign and so forth and then i send them off with a spreadsheet of all of their assets and assuming that it is a um a trust-based plan with instructions on how to fund the trust, how to transfer their assets into the trust and so forth. I then have a third meeting, which is about a month to a month and a half later. And that we come in, we, we present them with their final documents that have been signed. We check in on their funding to see um, how that's coming along and see if they need any help from us. And we also have what I call the priceless interview, but that's, um, I give them a stack of questions. They pick about a half a dozen. And I ask them those questions and keep a recording, either a video recording or an audio recording. And this allows them to pass on their spiritual legacy to their family uh, when they're not there. So it, either it's to their kids or it could be the trustees in terms of um, some verbal instructions that, that give them an insight on in how they want them to manage money on behalf of their kids, the rest of their family. So that's, that's the 3 meeting process. It takes about three months. Um, it can take a little bit longer during these times as people are scrambling and so forth. Sure. We've taken that process totally virtually as well. So typically you'd meet in person for all these things we can now do the meeting completely virtually and people are finding that to be really helpful during this time too. But what I do also for all of my clients is I have a complimentary check-in once every three years. And that's just, again, to check-in to make sure that they're owning their assets correctly and to see uh, what's changed in their life and then reflect upon what's changed in the law that might affect their estate plan. So I know that that you know recently um, I
1: had a client who Unfortunately, didn't have the complimentary, you know, three-year type thing. And um, they were estranged from their children and, you know, had remarried and everything else. And then now they passed away. And now the son is the person who's the, the executor and is going, I don't want to say against everything that dad wanted, but basically going against everything dad wanted because... You know, there there wasn't the instructions, and then so much had changed, and so forth. So, I mean, that that's a that's a great point um, in in doing that because you know, just following up with life changes.
0: Yeah, it's it's not a set it and forget it um, process, really. I mean, think about if you have a financial planner or or your bookkeeper, a CPA, um, you would never go to your financial planner once in your life and then assume that right. the rest your finances are going to be just great until you die you realize you've got to meet on a regular basis as things, as you make more money, as you change jobs, as things change in your life. And so, um, you know, uh, some people that I work with need to meet with me on an annual basis. Those are people that own their own business or own several businesses. So their situation is changing on a regular basis. But for most people, once every three years, is just a healthy thing to do. Um, you know, and if there's not that much that's changed, that's great. They can just reflect upon that. But more often than not, that I find that there are things that change. And even we're, as a professional, I think, okay, I've showed these people how to fund their trust. That just means that any assets they get from now on, they'll just, you know, they'll buy it in the name of their trust. But, you know, people, people forget. They forget the details of the estate planning. But for me, it might seem like second nature. Other people need to refer, a little refresher. And I, I guess that's you know, to circle back to one of your points earlier about the
1: online cookie cutter type of, of program that you could do. Well, if you don't have somebody following up with you, just like you said, it's kind of, I always talk to people about, you know, they put together their business plan. It's great because they put it together, they put it in their drawer and they don't look at it again until somebody tells them five years later, hey, what are you doing with your business plan? And they, you know, keep doing that. So same <laughs> same same situation here.
0: Well, and it matters. I mean, one of the things I touch upon with my clients too, because a lot of them are business owners. Uh, is they've created their business. You know, let's say it's, it's taking off and so forth. They'll say, okay, what happens when you die? Because currently you're leaving it all to your spouse. So I'll turn to the spouse and say, you're going to be running this business, right? And typically the spouse will say, no, no way. <laughs> the question is, what's your business succession plan? Now you've got a business that's making money. but What happens if you get in, 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 incapacitated or die? You know, what's right. going to happen to that business? Are the people that are inheriting the business, the people that are entrusted with making those choices, really the right people that would want to do that or have the right skill sets to wind it down or sell it so what what who's the ideal
1: client What does the ideal client for you look like
0: well i mean first of all i work in, in dc maryland virginia so for right now uh, for people who live out of that area i would tend to refer them out to other attorneys that i now entrust um, but really um, i focus on real estate investors um, lgbtq plus um, couples because they need to have their special planning needs And then children, but parents with minor children, because a lot of times parents with minor children think that estate planning is something that only matters when they're old. Uh, But the reality is, um, it's it's almost more important for those people to have the plan plan in place because um, they have little kids. And if they haven't given thought to who would take care of them, both long-term and short-term, that's a real missed opportunity. That's a real risk to their family. But I mean, in general, um, I would say for me, for my practice, anyone in the DMV area who um, who cares about their family and cares about what happens after they leave this world and who has prop- well, property that would pass through probate. So people who own real estate in the DMV area, um, because in, in DC at least, and it's similar in Maryland, Virginia, if you have less than $60,000 in assets in your probate estate, um, your estate would go through an expedited faster process where probate wouldn't be quite as quite as bad. So, people who have less money than that, uh, at the very least, I, I, I give them the opposite of not creating a trust, which can save them a little money.
1: So, you know, what would the first steps be if, you know, somebody meets, meets this criteria that, that you're talking about? Kind of, what are the first steps that they would take to be able
0: to get in touch with you to kind of uh, start the process? Well, if they feel like they're educated about estate planning already, um, they can simply contact me or contact my client service director and, and set up a 15-minute call where I share a little bit about my practice and they share a little bit about their um, needs. We walk through that and then we set them up for a two-hour consultation or the family wealth planning session. Um, I send them, set those up usually about two hours and two weeks in advance, I should say. I send them um, what's called a personal resource map, which is a pretty detailed questionnaire that helps them get clear about their estate planning goals and their asset situation. So they once they once they complete that, um, the consultation would typically cost seven hundred fifty dollars. I waive that fee as long as they complete their homework and turn it in ahead of time, and that gets them on their way. That makes sure that we have a productive, useful two hours. Um, for people who don't feel like they really know enough yet, I do um, at least each month I do two webinars about estate planning. So actually, I'm doing those later this week. So those will be on my website uh, on facebook and instagram and so forth and that's just time for me really to kind of educate people about estate planning what works what doesn't work and then a little bit more about my practice as well
1: okay so can you give us the um you know your website and and instagram and everything so anybody any of our listeners are listening they can they can look at it
0: yes it is it's www.primeestateplanning.com so it's actually prime hyphen estateplanning.com and we have the the, the uh, uh instagram page is prime dash dot um and i should i should double check here real quick but I, and i'll send it out if there's any if there's any if i'm getting the pages wrong but i think it's prime estate planning on facebook as well so it's easy enough easy enough to find
1: great so what if besides covid19 what are some of the the challenges
0: that you're facing today I mean, I think you know COVID nineteen has been all on all of our minds. So right. we have to think about that a little bit first. I think also for people and myself, including as a, as a business owner, as as uh, things begin to reopen, it's how to safely reintegrate a, a physical presence back into your practice. So how to get people back in the offices, how to start traveling again domestically and then eventually internationally while while being safe. And, you know, for me, when do, I, when do I feel comfortable? When do people feel comfortable going out and giving live presentations, going out and doing traditional networking and so forth, and making that part of your business model, you know, making that, integrating that with your business model and, and looking at risk appropriately, and then communicating that to your clients to make sure that they understand that you, you care about their well-being. What would you like to talk about that I haven't asked you yet
1: to tell us more about you know, Scott and estate planning and you know your your prime estate planning that you do.
0: I can tell you a little bit about um I guess my philosophy is individually too is um so it's not just uh work for me. I also think it's important to take time to engage in you know volunteer charitable charitable actions and things like that. So I've been volunteering for the Washington National Opera. I happen to be an opera fan for the last several years and I'm um, the, currently the president of the Young Professionals Board. And so I think it's important now opera is an industry that has really been hit by the, by the pandemic, you know, pretty, pretty squarely, like most right. Um, So I think it's really important to take time and not just be defined by your profession, even if it's really important to you, but to have outside interests. And what I found is that the um, people that I've been working with in the performing arts community, they find out about my state planning uh, business and, what I have to say what I have to offer here and that's become a certain type of a certain kind of special type of client for me as well so I now have clients um, who have an interest in the performing arts who want to as part of their legacy leave uh, a good chunk of their estate to uh, fine arts organizations so that's a separate just like a special needs trust is, is a separate estate planning entity with its own goal there's something called for example a charitable remainder trust which is for people who want to get some of their money out of their estate, which helps them avoid estate taxes, um, but also makes sure that the charity of their choice uh, benefits, you know, in the long run while they still maintain income during that period.
1: So, you know, again, just to, to kind of wrap up, you know, uh, give us your your website again um, and in your
0: Instagram. Okay. So www.prime-estateplanning.com. And then uh, on Facebook, it's going to be prime estate planning. You can find it that way. And Instagram, Instagram will be prime DMV. So you should all be able to find me there. And uh, if anybody's curious, you could certainly contact me individually. I also would be happy to uh, have you as an attendee in one of my webinars and hopefully in person presentations coming up soon.
1: Yes. Hopefully soon This (laughs) is all opening up. So, you know, Scott, I really appreciate your time today. Um, A lot of insightful information, uh, with this uh, today's ARC podcast guest has been uh, Scott Schweitzer with Prime Estate Planning. Thanks a lot, Scott. Thank you very much. Appreciate it.
0: This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer.